0: Welcome to Pop, the sermon podcast for Peace Lutheran Church in Gehenna, with pastors Doug Warburton and Tony Katko. So we continue our sermon series based on mistakes, and here's one of Jesus' miracles' greatest hits: Jesus walks on the water. You've probably heard this story. From the Gospel of Matthew, it says this, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from land For the wind was against them, and early in the morning he came walking toward them on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, If it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him saying, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. So as I was reflecting on this reading this week, I thought back to my wife and I snorkeling. <laughs> so several years ago, my wife and I went Snorkeling, she for the first time. I was a very seasoned veteran of snorkeling, having had done it twice. And so, of course, as the expert husband, I was telling her everything involved in snorkeling. Things like, You're gonna try too hard, just relax, make sure your mask is tight, if get water, it's giving all of these seasoned tips. She gets in the water first, takes off, never looking up, just totally fine. I got in the water and struggled massively, water getting in my mask. So we tried it again just not that long ago. We went on a cruise in the Caribbean and we're in the Bahamas and she goes first again and it was a much more choppy day, the waves, we were warned, it's pretty windy out here and She gets in and just like last time, no problem, takes off, not even looking back to see if I was coming in. And I get in, and once again, water instantly floods up my nose, and I learned later that it must have something to do with the fuzz on my face, that I can't get a good seal, but I kept trying and trying and trying. Finally, I gave up, and I came, and I sat in the boat discouraged and watched her with all the others sorting around, and and I looked, I could tell where she was because she was the only one in green, so I kept looking for the green butt so I could see where she was, but I felt discouraged. And I thought, like, as I'm reflecting on this reading today, I, I thought about the emotions of the, the people that were in the boat, the disciples that watched as Peter jumped out of the boat and for a second actually was walking. And we're, so did they feel like, well, why are we sitting here? We should be trying this. Or, or were they like, oh, that's Peter. He's always doing stupid stuff. What were their emotions going on? And and then I thought, here's something, and I want to transition to a little different take on this story, because here's the traditional way that we always reflect on this story of Jesus and Peter walking on water. We always kind of tell it in this sort of way. It's, It's like, okay, Jesus comes to them, Peter sees them, sees Jesus walking on water. Peter has courage and steps out calling to Jesus, tell me to come to you. And Peter steps out and for a moment is walking on water and it's a miracle. And he's got his eyes fixed on Jesus, but then he realizes this is nuts. And becomes frightened by the storm and the waves, and and we tell this part of the story, even though it doesn't say this, Peter takes his eyes off Jesus and sinks. And so the point becomes, first, have the courage to step out of the boat, but when you do, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, and you too can walk on water. Here's the thing, though. Ever since Peter, there's no documented history of any humans being able to actually do this. No one since Peter has walked on water. And, and the problem, I think, is that we turn this story sometimes into a cliche. Step out of the boat and have the courage to walk on water and keep your focus where it needs to be. So it's often used by coaches, sometimes in faith, sometimes even in the business world. If you want to walk on water, here's the keys to your success. And so we turn it into a a step out of the boat and walk on water cliche that almost sounds like grab the tiger by the tail. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. The early bird gets the worm, right? And so we turn it almost into that sort of thing. But here's the thing that I struggle with, is when we turn any biblical story into just a moralism, that's where, to me, it seems to fall flat. Because we know that these stories, especially the miracle stories of Jesus, they're way more profound than buckle up, and you too can succeed. So there's a lot more going on here. So let's, let's tell the story with a fresh lens. And let's bring in some of the context that actually the Scripture tells us is going on, and it's easy to miss some of this. So the story starts with Jesus grieving the loss of his cousin and fellow disciple, John the Baptist, who's been murdered by Herod. And Jesus gets this news, and Jesus wants to grieve. And so he goes off to a a deserted place, or so he thinks. And then the crowds show up and they continue to press in. And so Jesus has pity on the crowds and he decides to feed them. And this is where we have the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And then after that takes place, Jesus wants to go back to grieving by himself in the presence of God over the loss of John. And so he sends the disciples on ahead of them, sends them on a boat. And I'm going to ask the question in just a second, where? But he sends them on ahead so he can continue to grieve. And then throughout the night, he grieves, the storms pick up, and Jesus heads on out to the disciples. So, where is it that Jesus sent the disciples? Anyone pick up on that part of the story? You got it over here. Shout it out. To the other side. To the other side. This is not just two description words. These words, whenever you see the words in the New Testament, They were sent to the other side. You should have a little metaphorical red flag on your head that goes, "bing," because whenever they're sent to the other side, Jesus is about to show us something new, to unveil something, a new perspective, a new ideology, a whole new concept of what's going on here. So he sends them to the other side, and then the storms pick up, and it says that the disciples are afraid, but what are they afraid of? This is where you talk. What are they afraid of? Not surviving? Storms? It doesn't say that. We interpret that. There are other stories in the Bible where the disciples are afraid about the storm, but this one doesn't say that. And keep in mind, some of the disciples are very experienced fishermen. They knew how to handle storms. In this case, it says that they were afraid because a man was walking toward them on the water. And they thought it was a ghost. And so Jesus, who's coming toward them, don't miss that part of the story. Jesus, in the midst of the storm, is walking toward them, and he says the words, and it's interpreted in the Scripture, do not be afraid, which is so important, it is I. And when you interpret those words from the Greek, the word is egoemi. Egoemi, which, which translates almost to the same translation in Hebrew, the God said to Moses at the burning bush. So it's not Jesus coming up to them and saying, hey guys, it's me. It's Jesus coming up with the same words that God said to Moses, I am, I am what I am. So Jesus is basically announcing to them, I am here in the, as the presence of God. I'm here. Do not be afraid. So that's when Peter decides to kind of test this. And he said, if it is you, Jesus, then command me to come to you. And it's easy to read this in kind of a King James way where Jesus goes, come. But maybe Jesus said, oh, this dude. (laughs) Come? (laughs) We don't know. But somehow Peter does, and it's important to note, he has the courage to step out. And he, for a moment, starts walking toward Jesus, which is amazing. But then he realizes this is strange. Crazy! And he sinks and cries out. And it never says he took his eyes off Jesus. We interpret that. But he cries out, Lord, save me! And Jesus, continuing to come toward Peter and the disciples, reaches out immediately, Matthew says, and pulls him to safety. And then they both climb into the boat and they're together with all the disciples again. Now, it's easy for us to make Peter this courageous hero in the story, but you could also translate it as he's the only idiot. (laughs) Because he steps out of the boat, he sinks, and Jesus saves him. And the disciples are actually staying together doing what sailors do, trying to get the boat back on course. So Peter's kind of the one that's not being a part of the team here. And so you can read it in all sorts of different ways. But once they climb back into the boat, here's here's where part of the miracle takes place. The storm ceases, like, and the words of one of the psalm come to mind. Speaking of God, it says, he... Makes the storms of the sea cease and the waves he makes hush. And here's the true miracle. In the midst of that dark, soaking wet boat with all these drenched fishermen sitting there, they began to worship him and said, Truly, this is the Son of God. And so all throughout though and this is i think is the most important point of the whole thing when the storm began jesus came pursuing when the waves got bigger jesus kept coming at not just peter And rescuing him, but also got into the boat with all of the disciples. And so however you want to interpret that story of one who takes a risk, the others doing their due diligence, or they were thinking, why didn't I get out of the?" Whatever the emotions are involved, the key to the story is we have a a God who we see in Jesus who continues to come after us and says, stop being afraid. No matter what's going on, I'm going to pursue you. So all throughout this series, we've been doing stories of mistakes that turned into something amazing. And so I wanna sh- close with one, last, or one story today of some mistake that led to something that you all know. So there was this recording artist on the East Coast who at one point in the story, and I'll tell you why in a minute, went by his middle name, Martin. He had recorded an album signed it was signed by a record deal or company who unfortunately signed him he was brand new at this and he and his agent didn't know what they were doing so they basically signed too much of the rights away and he was getting very little and then they recorded an album which he was excited about but there was a mistake in how the album was recorded and he sounded like one of the chipmunks and so as they tried to sort all, out all of these problems, he was ordered for a while not to perform in public. And he didn't want the, the money, if he did record, he didn't want the money going to, uh, to this uh, horrible agent or horrible record company. And so he decided he, he needed to have some money. So he moved from the East Coast to LA where it was easier to be poor. And he took a job at a nightclub, and it was, he chose this very seedy dive bar to sing at because it was two blocks from his girlfriend and his hotel room. And so he worked at this nightclub, and he went by his middle name, Bill Martin, and he decided to observe life in this nightclub. Now, here's where you're going to start to figure this out and he watched all the people in this seedy dive bar come in night after night, the same characters, and he started to to write about them. So he wrote about a guy named Paul, the real estate novelist, who was a real estate agent but really wanted to become a novelist, but it wasn't working out. Then there was John, the bartender, gave him his drinks, but also wished that he could have been a movie star. And so there's all these regrets that that Bill Martin is noticing. And and then uh, there was an old man that was, as he says, making love to his tonic and gin and wishing that he could be the younger version of himself. Once again, he might make different decisions. And the waitress practicing politics was actually his girlfriend. (laughs) So of course I'm talking about Billy Joel. But when you think of this song, think about this. He's observing all these people who didn't get out of the boat or who had and sunk. Somehow in their life, they were filled with these regrets. And so instead of just talking about it, let's sing the chorus. Hit it! And you get to sing! Sing us a song, you're the piano Come on! I think Milo enjoyed that. He's cracking up over there. (laughs) So here's what I want to close with. I think this story of walking on the water is way more profound than simply buckle up and go get them. There's a lot more going on here, a lot of emotion, a lot of thought. And what Jesus shows us is that maybe if you're filled with some regret in your life, maybe if you're filled with some story of one time you got out of the boat and you sunk right away or you wished you'd tried something or you just have some, man, if I could do that over. See in Jesus a God who no matter what it is that has your regrets, this God is always coming after you. Amen.